Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. For probably too long, Pittsburgh celebrated two holidays on the 4th of July. Independence Day, obviously, but also the birthday of 19th century composer Stephen Foster. The Lawrenceville native had some bops at the time. A Beautiful Dreamer, Oh Susanna, and Camptown Races. Foster himself was not a Confederate leader, but there was an exceptionally racist statue of him that sat in Oakland for almost 120 years. It came down by unanimous decision in 2018, and we wonder where it's been since. It turns out there's a museum director in L.A. who's got a plan. We're with Hamza Walker of LAX Arts. It's Wednesday, June 29th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Hamza, thank you for joining us on CityCast Pittsburgh. Yeah, thank you for having me. So you're the director at LAX Art. You're also curating uh, this exhibit of decommissioned Confederate statues. So how did you get the idea for this exhibition? Yeah, well, I'm actually one of three curators on the project, uh, but I was the instigator, instigator curator. (laughs) The exhibition is titled Monuments. The idea came about in late 2017, early 2018, after a kind of the first wave, I'm going to call it, of decommissioning of monuments uh, was kind of heating up, I guess, right? So, so after after Dylan Roof. Exactly. After, exactly. Right. Yeah. So Dylan Roof after the Mother Emanuel massacre and Bree Newsom climbing up the flagpole 10 days later, taking down the Confederate flag. That was kind of the first declaration that these things had to come down. But it took two years before New Orleans and Charlottesville, which were the first major cities to get legislation through their city councils, right, to pull them down. And in Charlottesville, it was met with stiff resistance in terms of the protest, the Unite the Right rally. Yeah. It was at that moment, it was after the Unite the Right rally, right? Good people on both sides. (laughs) 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 That was. You just just activated a part of my brain that I've tried to push back. (laughs) So that was where the idea for the exhibition started. One, in relationship to the events, But also insofar as I didn't expect to see those things come down in my lifetime. So that very question of what does progress look like? Did you did you grow up in a place where these statues were were prevalent? Yes, yes, yes. Formative years in Baltimore. Oh. And so, you know, the couple of times that I cut high school, we would go to Robert E. Lee Park. But it just became a kind of furniture in the urban landscape, in a sense, you know, from the perspective of a, of a teenager, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of how people felt about the Stephen Foster statue here in Pittsburgh. Um, to be honest with you, I spent a lot of my life growing up in Oakland. I went to school there for most of my life, and I don't think I ever paid attention to this at all. <laughs> Stephen Foster wasn't a Confederate leader, though. No. He was a composer, uh, a one that stole songs and stole a lot of his melodies from black people. So essentially, yeah. you know, a, a racist right. composer nonetheless. Um, why did you decide to add him to the exhibition? And how did he, how did this statue end up on your radar? 
So we've taken to calling the exhibition <laughs> Confederates and Friends <laughs> when it comes to the monument portion, yeah. right? So there's, you know, adjacent monuments that are Confederate adjacent, let's yeah. call them. Racism so adjacent. The, yeah, 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 right. I mean, it, the, the Stephen Foster Monument, which was taken down, uh, and in my sense is primarily because of the depiction of Uncle Ned. Right. It's Foster, but then there's this barefoot black man sitting at his feet playing the banjo. Right. Uh, which is the same as the same case as Boston. Right. So the emancipation group in Boston also came down. Now, that's a very famous statue by Thomas Ball. It's a copy of the Emancipation Monument that's in Washington, D.C., the very famous one with Lincoln with his arm extended and you've got the crouching, kneeling slave. Uh, but because of the crouching, the kneeling figure, that was considered a demeaning representation. Mm -hmm. So like the Foster Monument, it too was was taken down. So that long backdrop, uh, just to give you a sense that uh, the Stephen Foster Monument, one, won't be alone <laughs> in yeah. the exhibition. And in terms of how it uh, came up on the radar, it wasn't so much that monument in and of itself as much as it was in the slipstream of monuments coming down. And what about his legacy, I guess? Because I, I think that contributes a lot to why this statue was controversial in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he launched his career writing songs for minstrel shows, the ones with blackface. So in some sense, Stephen Foster could be seen as a forerunner of how much of the entertainment industry and popular culture would be based around a relationship to African-Americans, both slaves and then recently freed slaves, right? If we think about the purchase that minstrelsy acts, for example, had on American popular culture, which is considerable, right? From uh, what, 1828, all the way up to the 1930s, 40s. So to think of Stephen Foster on the one hand as problematic in and of himself, but then he also represents a much larger dynamic that would be in effect for a century. That statue here was removed in April 2018 by a unanimous decision from the Pittsburgh Art Commission. Um, what was your pitch to get the Foster statue to L.A.? Like, did you have to do a lot of convincing? Because I feel like it can't be easy. To no, not at all. Not at all. One of the one of the when we started reaching out to cities, institutions, what our request exposed <laughs> was who is the steward of the monument after it's come down? So mm. in a lot of cases- I can't, I, I, can't, I can't think that's a thing that most people want to claim and, and, well, and take. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a question of chain of command and protocol, right? So in a lot of instances, the monuments were taken down, particularly after the Unite the Right rally, right, by- City Hall and, the, and, a, and a mayor's office that would say, okay, I'm declaring these things that this is a public safety issue, right? Mm -hmm. Public safety on two counts. One, if hundreds of white supremacists are going to come and rally around these things and create protests that turn violent, that's a problem. And two, if the counter protesters decide to yank these things down, that too is a problem. So we should get out in front of this and just take them down. Now, Although the mayor, the mayors of towns 
would have the authority to take them down, that doesn't mean they're the stewards of the objects. So when we put in our request, you know, we would write to the Department of Cultural Affairs. Is it the Historic Preservation or Trust? Or is it City Hall? And so in the case of Pittsburgh, uh, it, I'm going to call them the Department of Cultural Affairs. I think it has a different acronym. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's Arts, Arts Commission. Pittsburgh Arts Commission. Yeah. So it was great interfacing directly with them as the stewards of the object. The request wouldn't be foreign, right? So, you know, the question of why would an institution, let alone an institution out on the West Coast, want to borrow this thing? When you deal with an arts commission, the request for the loan of a work of art is not outside their wheelhouse, right? Yeah, they're like, we get it. Right, we get it. You know, you're making an exhibition, you're going to pay all costs, the thing is insured, wall to wall, we're going to get it back. As a so, so that was relatively smooth so that we could actually get to questions of, to talk about the exhibition itself. Yeah. And in doing this kind of work, you, you talked about initially, like people were kind of rallying around these sorts of statues when they were up in places like Charlottesville. Do you, do you feel safe doing this kind of work or do you ever feel a little uneasy? Safety will be a serious concern when the exhibition is up. So it will go over and above standard safety measures. You know, in terms of their transport, how that's done, when that's done, it's not like anybody broadcasts, you know, (laughs) hey, they're coming to get it. Mm -hmm. And it was often done in terms of them coming down and being transported under the cover of night. I don't think we'll be working in that level, with that level of, of, of secrecy. But security is a concern. Uh, but hopefully the tone and tenor that we would like to set with the exhibition will, I'm, I'm going to say, diffuse in some sense. I don't know if that's altogether the right term, but to cast this as, I mentioned progress before, right? So to look at it as an after the fact Right. They have come down. Now, one of the goals of the exhibition is to promote civic and civil discussion around American history. But in terms of tone and tenor, to note that this is a moment of our, I want to say, capacity for change as a country and resilience. So to think of it as, again, moving in the right direction. Have there ever been other plans for the statues to do anything else with them? Like, is this an easy ask, basically, to get these? No, it's not an easy ask at all. Uh, I I made a joke to the uh, Historic Preservation Committee of Charleston, and it was a public meeting. And I think I may have opened my remarks with a joke to them that it would be easier for me to ask to borrow an old masterwork <laughs> from the Uffizi in Florence, Italy, a Botticelli, than it is for me to ask for the loan of a Confederate statue, a decommissioned Confederate statue from a municipal agency, right? Yeah. So even though the request for an old masterwork 
would be denied, it still falls within, you know, museum to museum protocol. That's what I mean. Like, what were there any other plans? Like, did even the cities have any other plans to do anything with these statues no. after they were taken down or decommissioned? No, no. That's everybody's figuring it out right now. And now it's not going to be a one size fits all approach, right? So in Charlottesville, for example, the Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, those were toxic. So the city council had a mandate from the public to get them out of there, right? So they could actually call for the transformation of those monuments. So in one case, they're hoping to melt it down, take the bronze, give it to an artist, make a statue to be unveiled 2027, which is the 10-year anniversary of the Ninth Right. You know, the folks in Richmond, no, they don't have the political will or appetite for melting them down, even under the auspices or the rubric of transformation. No, instead, recontextualization. Right. And now there are different ways to recontextualize it. In some cases, they just want to put up another plaque. In some cases, give it to the state history museum. Right. And in other cases, a change in stewardship can be the most effective and radical change of context. So in the case of Richmond, the uh, Black History Museum of Virginia now owns, is the steward of the monuments that came down from Monument Avenue. Right. I do believe that whatever their fate, it should be decided locally. What Pittsburgh wants to see might be different than what Charlottesville wants to see. How many statues and monuments do you have at this at this point? 14, 14, 15, somewhere in there. How do you decide which monuments make the cut? Because there are so many that have been decommissioned. Right, right, right. So we went through of statues that come down, I mean, over upwards of 200. Is what we look at now. Yeah. Now, within that, at least half instantly are simple, you know, soldier at rest, right? Relatively generic monuments, um, cookie cutter, right? And then some of them are just obelisks. Some of them are just slabs with text on them. So we were able to whittle it down to about sixty-five monuments we thought were interesting uh, for one reason or another terms of the story that they, they told. Yeah. We've got a few out there that we're still we're still negotiating. Still chasing. Still chasing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I know this exhibition is still a little ways away. It's gonna be opening in fall of twenty twenty three. You're commissioning new work for it too. What are those pieces going to be like? It'll be a whole a whole range of responses. Yeah. Some instances we've asked artists to take on particular monuments, right? To have a direct dialogue with with the monument. In other instances, we've approached artists and pretty much left it open to them in terms of how they want to engage because there's so many facets, so many aspects. The show touches on a lot when it comes to both historical content, the legacies of slavery, but then on up into the present, yeah. right? So we can't divorce making the monuments accountable to now, to this moment, to this present, right? So. Can we see a relationship between the civil rights movement, the right to vote, and now recent attempts to disenfranchise African-Americans, right? Can we see a relationship between just how American history is taught or which narratives get emphasized or de-emphasized um, and the current attacks on critical race theory? Can we dissociate the Civil War, 
the lost cause from Trump's campaign, right? And what he's become in January 6th and the insurrection in terms of what the, the contemporary art is called upon to do. It's to make the links between then and now. So this is happening out in LA. Is there a way for Pittsburgh listeners to experience the exhibit at all? Uh, we'll see. We're still in discussions about the exhibition traveling. So, you know, you'll have to yeah. perhaps leave Pittsburgh. But, you know, in one instance, you won't have to go too, too far. Well, in two instances. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, Fingers uh, crossed. We'll see. But I mean, I really want to thank Pittsburgh from the bottom of my heart. You know, we can't do the exhibition without the lenders, obviously, right? That's what makes it. So having Pittsburgh, Charlottesville, Boston, Baltimore, Lynchburg, Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, like to have those, that really gives it a sense that it is a national discussion. And so to have Pittsburgh cast its lot with us, join the fight, get in, you know, is great. And it was early on that we got the green light from the Arts Commission. And so really want to thank you guys. That makes me happy. Um, anytime Pittsburgh can be, we're small but mighty. So, you know, anytime we can be on the forefront of something, we love that. Uh, we're we're happy to be in this fight with you. So, Hamza, thank you so much for joining us yeah. on CityCast Pittsburgh. Sure. Thank you for having me. And some more news. The Sumari Pool in Allegheny Center is reopening today. It's sort of a weird schedule for right now. They're splitting lifeguards with other pool sites around the city to make it work. But families can count on Monday through Thursday and starting July 9th, Saturdays as well. Council gave all the credit to community groups who advocated for opening the pool as an essential resource to the neighborhood. And Airbnb is making their ban on parties permanent for homes that are short-term rentals. This is after the fatal shooting at a Northside rental in May here. While making the ban permanent, Airbnb said it will lift a limit of 16 people at rented properties. The cap was put in place for COVID before the vaccine was available. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, share it with a friend and subscribe to our morning newsletter. Francesca's got all the best stuff in there in your inbox every day at 6 a.m. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Did you expect to become a minor expert on the Civil War? Because you really got your stuff down now. I'm nowhere near. I mean... I went from being like a C minus student of American history to a C plus student of American history, which is good overall, right? Like, because most Americans get a D in American history when it comes down to it.